This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. Why do 50 to 60% of new startups fail? The reason is they fail at marketing, according to Leonard Lodish, a professor of marketing at Wharton and author of Entrepreneurial Marketing. Quote, venture capitalists have a way of describing it. The dogs won't eat the dog food. End quote. The solution is to develop a marketing plan. In this installment of the podcast series for the Wharton Cert Business Plan Competition, Lodish explains that marketing plans must take into account three critical strategic and tactical factors, positioning, targeting, and pricing. Uh, we are speaking today to Professor Len Lodish. Uh, thank you so much for speaking with us today. No problem. Uh, Professor Lodish, you, you've said that marketing is the reason why most ventures fail. Uh, could you explain why? Well, the, the biggest problem is that when push comes to shove, whoever needs to buy the product or service that the venture is selling either won't buy it at all or won't buy it at a price that justifies all of the costs that are involved in making and selling the product. And uh, the venture capitalists have a way of describing it that the dogs won't eat the dog food. And depending on whose numbers you look at, uh, 50 to 60 percent of ventures will fail because of reasons related to marketing, and this particular reason I just mentioned is probably the biggest one. Well, uh, I, I would assume that in order to deal with that problem, a new venture or a startup needs a marketing plan. Uh, what sort of a plan should it be? What should be its main elements? Okay, there are three decisions that are crucial <clears throat> to the success of any entrepreneurial venture, and they're all really strategic. Two of them are strategy decisions, and one is the tactics that implement it. And if they do them well, the venture is much more likely to be successful. And if you do it poorly, no matter if you do everything else right, you're still probably not going to do well. Whereas if you get these three things correct or not correct, but um, do a reasonable job at those three, then even if you're not so good on some of the tactical things, which we'll discuss, you'll still do okay. And the three things are positioning, segmentation, targeting is better name. So positioning, targeting, and pricing. And the first two are positioning, which is basically, what am I selling to who? And how am I structuring the perception of my offering? And I'm using the word offering instead of product or service because it's a bundle of attributes that people perceive. How is my perception going to be different than the competitors in a way that is attractive enough to a target group of people who we have to define who want to buy it for enough to make the whole thing work. And what's important is to understand that you need to make these decisions in an environment where you're not only concerned about now, but you're concerned about the future. And your major concern has to be sustainable competitive advantage, which is crucial for an entrepreneur because with little resources, little time, few people, you can't compete on commodities. It's just not going to work. You can't compete on price. You have to have a differenti differentiated 
offering. So what you need to do is develop or leverage distinctive competencies that you have and make sure that your positioning, how you're perceived, leverages those distinctive competencies in a way that the end uh, purchaser will see value versus your competition and buy your product for a price that makes sense and also um, give you some insulation over the foreseeable future from your competition. Now it's not as simple as that because invariably your competition does something that you don't anticipate and you have to readjust, continually do this, but really thinking in basic terms about what am I selling, to whom, why am I different, how can I get sustainable competitive advantage, what are my distinctive competencies, and you need to come up with distinctive competencies that have value to an end user and putting them all in a package is what makes successful ventures. Once you get that so that makes sense and you've got demonstrated people who will, or a group of people who would buy your product, then the rest of the marketing plan decisions, the distribution, the uh, advertising, the promotion, the PR, uh, your logos and all this other stuff is much easier to determine and sometimes it's pretty obvious. So it's a, it sounds reasonably logically when I tell people that, but a lot of entrepreneurs don't think about it that way when they start their companies. Right. Uh, now, uh, as you correctly noted, uh, uh, when entrepreneurs start their companies, they are strapped for resources, uh, and especially marketing budgets are small. Are there any creative uh, uh, ideas that they can use to become effective marketers with little money? Yes. The most effective word of uh, the most effective marketing vehicle by far for new companies and for existing companies is word of mouth of existing customers. So what you need to do is treat your first customers like they were gold and make sure that they are delighted with every aspect of what they're buying from you, the experience from buying from you, and anything else that they perceive as part of that, and then encourage them to tell their friends. If you can do that, you can be successful without spending anything. Um, and then sometimes you can um, do things. Um, an example is a company called Milo.com that was started by a Wharton undergrad. Um, they have a million users and have not, as far as I can tell, spent any money on um, marketing. But they have optimized uh, Google's search, so they come up, uh, they sell, they do local um, shopping where you can actually check if a product or service, or a product in this case, is in stock at your neighborhood retailer. And um, they've gotten a million users by just leveraging Google without having to spend for search words, but just doing a good job on leveraging the search engine capability. So, uh, and then another example, which you, is a question I think you're going to ask me later, of a company that's really done this very well is diapers.com, which was again started by uh, a Wharton West MBA. And they get 35% of their new users as word of mouth from their existing users. And they've been the fastest growing internet retailer for four years running. 
Yes, that's in, that indeed was the question of some examples of companies that. Uh, 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 so, so, uh, so thank you for anticipating that question. Uh, what are some of the most common errors that you have found entrepreneurs make in marketing, and how can these be overcome? The the most common the most common as opposed to the most important the most important error is developing and coming to market with the wrong product and not being able to sell it and you end up failing um, that's I described that a little bit earlier um, then there are all kinds of other errors where people think they have to advertise to get their brand out there um, and um, in a lot of cases you can do that much cheaper because the biggest asset again is word of mouth and if you have people telling their friends about you that's worth orders of magnitude and there's actually been studies that it's 10, 15 or 20 times more valuable than having somebody see an ad. Um, so people wasting a lot of money and being more concerned about tactics than strategy. Um, one of the data points that's in our entrepreneurial marketing book, uh, Marketing That Works, is we took two groups of people and surveyed them about their marketing activities. One was a group of run-of-the-mill Pennsylvania entrepreneurs. The other was Inc. 500 CEOs. And the biggest difference between the successful Inc. 500 CEOs and the uh, run-of-the-mill entrepreneurs was the run-of-the-mill entrepreneurs, when you ask them what's your most important marketing decisions that you need to make, they talk about tactics. Whereas the Inc. 500 CEOs, you ask them the same question, they talked about positioning and targeting. And I think that explains a lot. That, that, that's really interesting. Uh, uh, what is the relationship between marketing and sales? And what do entrepreneurs need to understand about this relationship to succeed? Marketing is the process of structuring exchanges so that they're valuable. Salespeople implement those exchanges. And in the successful companies, the marketing people and the salespeople work very closely together. And in fact, one of the differences of, we've done this book twice now on uh, entrepreneurial marketing, and the second one was how entrepreneurial marketing can be used by any size company. Um, what we added to the second version was a chapter on marketing-enabled sales because for your salespeople to, to be successful, there are a lot of things that marketing can do to support them, including explaining to the customer how the product works, developing um, proposals that the salespeople can use, lots of different things. So marketing amplifies sales and sales amplifies marketing, but marketing first has to happen then if you've got the right product and service and the right target, then the salespeople are an implementation vehicle. Uh, I found that most entrepreneurs I have met have been intuitive marketers. Uh, when they launch a startup, what aspects of marketing are innate and what do they need to learn about marketing? Well, they, they need to understand the important strategic concepts and then they need to understand how to make some of these tactical decisions and there's been a lot of people in a lot of marketing departments especially here at Wharton that have spent a lot of time working on those decisions and that you can do those better but the biggest thing that they can do 
is go out into the marketplace and generate evidence whether or not people want to buy their offering at a price that makes sense. And you can do that by very simple in-market testing. You can do that by concept testing. You can do stuff on the web. But you need to, in a structured way, get to people and get their reactions and get their intent to purchase. That is very low in cost but extremely valuable. Uh, a good example of that is a company called Cars Direct that is now the largest automobile dealer in the U.S. It's part of Internet Brands. They got started in 1999 when somebody got an idea, can we sell automobiles over the Internet and actually deliver them with a bow on them to people? And what they did is they clued together a site over a weekend they bought some search words in what was the prelude to Yahoo's overture search called goto.com. And they bought um, and they sold cars at uh, $50 over invoice or something like that. And they actually bought the cars and then resold them. The whole weekend they sold four cars. But they proved they could sell, you know, $30,000, $40,000 cars over the Internet. And that cost them $15,000, including what they lost on each car because they weren't buying in bulk or anything like that. And from that, they got uh, $200 million in venture capital and are now the largest auto dealer. Wow, that's amazing. Uh, just to wrap things up, uh, any, could you give one or two points of practical advice for entrepreneurs who want to uh, be better at marketing? Don't be afraid to do something different to be noticed. Um, once you've got your positioning and targeting done, the first thing you want to do is leverage your happy customers, give them as much inducement as you can to tell their friends. If you give them coupons to give their friends or give them something off on their order when they uh, sign, up on, sign up their friends, that's what diapers.com does. That's very important. If you're not going to do that, then the next thing to do is to leverage public relations and publicity. And I think the best example of that still is what Josh Koppelman did when he launched Half.com and um, went to the town of Halfway, Oregon. This was, I think, in 2001 and um, convinced the town council uh, in return for, I believe it was a new fire engine, which he bought them, that they would change the name of the town from Halfway Oregon to Half.com Oregon. That got him on Katie Couric's Today Show for five minutes talking about his website when his website was launched. And even though he had what he thought were industrial strength servers, uh, the demand was so much for Half.com that it took his servers down. A year later, he was... Um, bought by eBay for 400 or $450 million, and they were happy to buy it, and it was a good purchase for him because he had created so much value. But he, he actually had to fight with his VC firms that um, financed him to not spend money on TV advertising, which everybody else was doing, and to do it on these creative things. The other thing he did, which you may or not print, and you may uh, 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 censor this, but he also, that same summer got some Wharton students to do what he called guerrilla marketing 
and he gave them rubber gloves and they went into every men's room in New York City and in the urinals on the place where you pee they have these rubber things with holes in them right. well he cra he developed rubber things with holes in them that said don't piss away half your money go to half.com to save half and they were put in all the men's rooms in New York City I remember seeing one in a train station and who wants to take those out of there so um that got him a lot of notoriety, but that was the one of his uh, marketing activities that Meg Whitman stopped when uh, eBay bought them. <laughs> Professor Lourish, thank you so much for, for oh, your time. My pleasure. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.